Welcome to the OMR podcast, the English version. The latest podcast was hosted by Florian Heinemann, one of our close friends here at OMR. Florian is was the founding MD at Rocket Internet. He launched his own venture capital fund, Project A. Um, after that, he's a serial investor, entrepreneur in Germany, has helped create all the big businesses that we've seen recently in Germany, Zalando, Trivago, um, Groupon, many others. Now he's investing with um, with his fund. And um, since he spent some time in England recently, um, we asked him if he could make it over to London to meet Martin Sorrell for this podcast. Martin Sorrell obviously needs even less of an introduction. He's one of the most influential figures, I think, in the media and marketing industry um, over the past decades. He is the creator of WPP, um, and now he has started his own new vehicle, um, backed by millions um, from investors. Let's listen to what Florian has to ask and what Martin, no, Sir Martin, has to say. Enjoy. So, yeah, thanks a lot for being here, uh, Sir Martin Sorrell. Sure. Hi. Definitely one of the yeah key figures in the advertising media industry. Maybe, maybe in my own mind, I don't know anybody else's mind. Well, I think also quite objectively, <laughs> you've shaped you've shaped well, the industry for yeah, for uh, the last tried. decades, um, yeah. and you're up for a, a new, few decades. Yeah. A few decades, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're up for uh, a new adventure. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk about that. It's our third third iteration. Yeah, third iteration. Yeah. Okay. What what was actually the the first then? Well, the first one <coughs> was Sarches when I was. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. I was CFO or Group Finance Director for, uh, what was it, uh, nine years. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really about globalization. Um, I remember Morris Saatchi running into my office with a waving an article by Theodore Levitt in the Harvard Business Review in 1983, which was about globalization, the theory being. And Theodore Levitt admitted, sadly he died a few years ago, but he admitted before he died that he over-egged the pudding or yeah. went to an extreme. But he basically said consumers would consume things in the same way everywhere so mm -hmm. which proved not to be true mm -hmm. and, and he didn't really want it to be true but it was a, a thesis and, and it certainly was true directionally that people were you know were, were increasingly looking at things in a similar way yeah. in some product categories and service areas on a worldwide basis so that was the first iteration the second was WPP uh -huh. wire and plastic products And the third is S4 Capital. Yeah. So Wire and Plastic Products was about globalization, continued globalization, and the beginnings of technology. Uh -huh. te that bucket too, because there are two buckets. One is technology, in my view, and one is geography. I mean, you can boil everything down to that. It may yeah. sound like motherhood and apple pie, but I think it's true. And then the, the third iteration is S4 Capital, which is about technology. Yeah. Um, and you're taking... a Quite a similar approach, if I may say that, to, uh, to the one you took at WPP. Initially. Well, I, no, I think that's not true. Actually. No, no, not content-wise. No, I think that's completely different. But structurally, you're starting no, again with a yeah, but, with, with an IPO. No, but structurally, you're not. We're taking a. I mean, there are four key principles surrounding mm -hmm. uh, S4 Capital. Firstly, is that we're purely digital, mm -hmm. so that's very different to what we did with yeah. uh, with uh, WPP, mm -hmm. where we were analog and digital. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second thing is that we're we're very focused on three areas, what we call the holy mm -hmm. trinity. So, uh, first party data, fueling or driving content, mm -hmm. and driving or fueling uh, media planning and buying or mm -hmm. programmatic. Uh, the third is that you know we have uh, a, a tagline: faster, better, cheaper. Yeah. Faster means uh, you know in an always-on environment, digital environment, you have to be responsive. 
you, you know, you're proactive and you're reactive too. It's rather, I liken it to running an election campaign without an electoral date because mm. you, you know, it's a very always on 24 7 uh, environment. Better means better use of technology and mm-hmm. being able to use technology uh, aggressively. That may, might be a AR or VR or AI or voice or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But being aware of all the technologies and agnostic about them and applying mm-hmm. them. And cheaper means being more efficient. I mean, I, although ZBB is probably under attack now, mm-hmm. zero-based budgeting because of what's happened to certain companies that have propagated that. The people running those companies are very smart and they will adapt the model mm-hmm. to invest more in brand mm-hmm. uh, and to invest more in, in innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's you know a very different approach mm-hmm. to what we did uh, with WPP. Mm-hmm. And, and the fourth point is unitary structure. Yeah. We're trying to bring uh, our, our operations together because what clients, what clients want is the best people working on their business. They don't care where it comes from. We care as an industry, you know, about our brands and about our verticals, but clients don't. Clients want the very best people working on their business. So I would say S4 Capital is very different to Warren Plastic Products, which in I think Warren Plastic Products was closer to the Saatchi model, if you like, okay. yeah, the so called holding company model. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, content-wise, you're definitely taking completely or uh, strategy-wise completely different approach. What, what I meant initially was you're also doing a kind of deal, uh, reverse IPO listing type uh, approach. Well, yeah, but that's it. That, those, those are the details. I mean, yeah. you, you know, structurally, the mm-hmm. board uh, consists of four non-executive directors. Mm-hmm. We we have four principals of Mighty Hive mm-hmm. and Media Monks, myself, and then Peter Rademacher, who was the CFO of Media Monks, who's, who's come into the... Yeah. Uh, the parent company or S4 Capital. So it's a very different structure. We didn't have any operational people on the WPP board, which maybe we should have done. Yeah. Um, maybe life would have been different if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it's a, it's a different structure, a different, different strategy and mm-hmm. a, a different structure. I mean, which it should be because mm-hmm. times have changed significantly. But would you consider also, I mean, if you look at companies like Uber or Airbnb, etc., they all stay private as long as they can. And you chose a completely opposite kind of approach by saying... Well, I, I, enjoy, you know, huh? I enjoy dealing with the different uh, stakeholders, if you mm-hmm. like, uh, surrounding a public company. Mm-hmm. I think you also access to the uh, public markets, the listed markets, gives you an ability to move fast. I mean, yeah. we moved very fast mm-hmm. in the first five or six months. Absolutely. Like I mean, your market cap is half a billion already, right? Yeah, so yeah, $600 million dollars on okay. 460 million pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that uh, gives us a, a SPAC in, in, in America, which is sort of similar to mm-hmm. what we did here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Take longer, it's more complicated. You can do bigger initial fundings, mm-hmm. but SPACs, which are basically raising money for a you know, undisclosed mm-hmm. or uh, unfleshed out mm-hmm. uh, opportunity or opportunities uh, has been done by several people. I mean, talented people can put SPACs, but they don't, They don't. you know, it's, it's sort of at random in a way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would say this is as good as any. I, doing the private equity route or doing the venture capital route, I, I think it puts management under pressure. I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen people in... Venture capital and private equity give away too much of the equity mm-hmm. uh, and give away control. We have a you know a golden share in the in in a sense in the context mm-hmm. of uh, S4 Capital, which is mm-hmm. different to WPP. I've had a golden share of WPP. Again, things may have been different, um, but you know I've still got my shareholding in WPP, which is about two percent of the capital and the largest 
individual investor in, in WPP still, mm-hmm. despite you know what's happened and, and the challenges that WPP faces. But I would say the the, the model is very different. Yeah. Yeah, but so I differ a little bit with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. But it's a, it's a very interesting approach. I think especially also it supports, if I understand it correctly, the unitary approach that you want to take. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, you also have unitary like Unitary approach is difficult because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody is very proud of their brand. Everybody's, mm-hmm. you know, if you start a, a business in the basement like Wes and uh, Victor did uh, 16 mm-hmm. years ago or Pete did six years ago with uh, Christopher Martin, you're very proud of your brand mm-hmm. and you don't want to surrender that history and that culture and that approach which is understandable mm-hmm. average age of uh, the mighty high people is about 25 mm-hmm. average age of the medium monks people is about uh, 33 mm-hmm. medium monks has 950 people and uh, mighty high has about 250 so we have you know 1200 in, mm-hmm. in total in 16 countries but you know everybody likes their own culture i mean do i worry about s4 capital as a, a brand yes but it's more of a, a stock market financial brand yeah. than it is a trading brand mm-hmm. so you know uh, um, you know my, mighty monks mm-hmm. or uh, m3h would be would be good good branding that's yeah, <laughs> my view but what do i know about branding <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the companies that, yes. that you bought um well we merged with because mm-hmm. we you know we, the, well, yeah, the structure was mm-hmm. we you know mm-hmm. we we The consideration was half shares, half cash. Mm-hmm. We cashed out the institution. So in the case of uh, Media Monks, 52% owned by Benkis, which is the uh, private equity arm. Mm-hmm. It used to be a Fortis, the management board it out. And in the case of Mighty Hive, 15% was institutionally owned. Uh, we took the institutions or, or invest, outside investors out for mm-hmm. cash. Mm-hmm. And in the case of uh, Media Monks, 48% in the case of Mighty Hive, 85%, including the mm-hmm. historic management of uh, people who moved on at Mighty Hive, uh, we took out for um, half shares, half cash. Mm-hmm. So every one of the principals has a significant shareholder. Okay. To support the unitary yeah. structure. Yeah. And can you talk a little like, why did you choose these companies? What, what, well, what I mean, you know, part of it was, um, we, we, I knew of Media Monks uh, from McKinsey, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the, I went to a McKinsey conference in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. in the church there. <laughs> I thought it was a, Strange place to have a, a first European partners meeting, and after I finish my 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 little presentation, um, I, one of the partners there said to me, "You ought to have a look at uh, Mediamax, an interesting mm-hmm. company, doing things in a different way." And in fact, actually, one of the strategy partners of um, uh, McKinsey was very helpful to me and to to us in that in that process. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, Mediamax. So a little bit of serendipity, and mm-hmm. you know. They were putting the company up for uh, for, for auction, mm. and I didn't know it was actually up for auction. And it shows you how private equity sometimes works to its disadvantage. You know, they like to talk to one another to trade information as do venture capital companies do. But sometimes it can bite you in the backside. So, what a private equity company. When I left uh, WPP in, in the middle of May, um, private equity guy wrote to me and said, "Well, we're looking at this company, digital company, uh, in the." You know, in the UK or wherever mm-hmm. um, and you know would you like to work with us on it as I had nothing to do you know mm-hmm. they thought I had nothing to do <laughs> so I said yes I said but, you know what is it and he told me it was Media Monks I said well I know Media Monks let oh. me ring up uh, Victor mm-hmm. and find out whether he objects to me working with with you on it mm-hmm. and, you know, Victor and I spoke Victor said what are you going to do and I said well I'm going to start S4 Capital And he said, well, why don't we try and do something together? So that was one. Mm-hmm. On, on having done sort of media monks or having uh, a mighty hive, 
Um, it was probably a little bit less serendipity in the sense that the, you know, we were a known quantity because we've said we'd laid out our agenda, the four points that I mentioned to mm-hmm. you, uh, particularly the purely digital yeah. part, and then the, the, you know, the first body data driving content and media planning and buying, and you know, so was, that was a natural one for us to get mm-hmm. involved in with RDI, mm-hmm. but both both companies. Uh, were sort of quotes unquote expensive. Same structure with Mighty High. We did it on Christmas Eve of last year. Um, you know, half shares, half cash. And, and the, the key, the key determinant of what we're doing and what we will do in the future is always in relation to these deals, as people insist on calling them. Uh, is the, the essential thing? Will we do the? Does the management want to sell out? If they do, we're not interested. Do they want to buy in? If, if they do, we're really interested. Mm-hmm. Understood, and is it fair to say that like the acquisition or the, the merge with Mighty Hive is that a statement also from your? Does it support your view that uh, it's uh, relevant for advertisers to be more in-housing stuff and be more competent? Uh, well, I, I think I think there's you know there's a confluence of uh, a number of things mm-hmm. that happened. First of all, prior to 2008, uh, GDP growth prior to Lehman. GDP growth was more significant. There was more inflation mm-hmm. and was more significant in nominal terms. You know, if you look at the numbers, it's probably worldwide GDP was going up about three or four percent, mm-hmm. and now it's about two or three percent. And the principal reason why it's lower is because inflation is out of the system, and therefore our clients have, in a low growth environment, uh, lower growth, have very little pricing power, which mm-hmm. means they're very focused on cost. Which means that they've stripped out a lot of the internal marketing mm-hmm. resources. So that's mm-hmm. one. Sort of set of things that happen. The other set, which has happened more recently, maybe as we got into 2016 and 17, and there were some changes we noticed in the in the marketplace, is that the walled gardens, you know, which dominate digital. I mean, digital is about 200 billion. Google of advertising revenues mm. about 125 billion is Google. About 52, 53 is Facebook, mm. and then you drop down to Amazon at around 10, probably at 10, yeah. at 10, probably growing a little bit faster now about. 12 billion or 3 billion in the last quarter but it's dominated by Facebook and Google and of course in China it's dominated by Alibaba and Tencent Mm. their unwillingness to share data for whatever reason I think for good reason because Mm. you know for genuine reasons around brand safety fake news the political issues interference in elections uh, you know all the the things you know the tragic events in in New Zealand Mm. indeed in in Holland in Utrecht I mean are all driving people to say that the social, the, the, those platforms need to be more socially responsible and monitor their content. But the, the net result of that is they are unwilling to share the data. So the walls are getting bigger. Yeah. At the same time as the walls got, got bigger, you know, direct-to-consumer uh, has become more and more important. Clients saw the internet as the way of establishing a direct relationship with mm-hmm. consumers. Mm-hmm. And along, you know, with the demise of fixed retailers, brick retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, our clients saw for the first time, particularly in FMCG, the opportunity to go direct to clients, uh, to consumers, uh, and build relationships. With with the platforms starting to invade that territory, the mm-hmm. eat retailers, you know, yeah. the platforms I mentioned, the fearsome five, as I call them, I referred to, that's put a block uh, on our clients reaching the consumer. So they started to get much more interested and how they can use first-party data mm-hmm. to fuel their content and to fuel their media planning and buying in the way that we've set up yeah. uh, S4 Capital. And so it's a, there's a sort of an unfortunate um, comparison to Brexit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, the, the tagline for the Brexit campaign was take back control. Mm. And I think clients are trying to take back control of their own destiny. They've denuded their resources. And at the same time, they need more resources to reach the, the mm. consumer. And, you know, when Unilever buys um, Dollar Shave Club or when Coca-Cola buys Costa uh, or when Nestle buys Starbucks, what it's telling you is they're trying to build a more direct relationship with consumers. So their control of data is the battleground. That's the big fight. Uh, And it's the unwillingness of the platforms for good reasons. I'm not saying bad reasons, nefarious reasons for good reasons. Unwillingness to share that is driving the clients to establish this new model which you know, S4 Capital represents. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you, is it would it be a fair conclusion that um, so if if you see that customer direct customer relationships are key to survive in a kind of platform dominated economy, that CRM would be another angle yes, uh, I mean, where you, you could you, enter. You, you can call it. You, you, well, we are we are there. Mm-hmm. I mean the the rise of uh, internet advertising. So if you look at The advertising and marketing services market is about a trillion dollars of, of spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bit recent circular PwC put some figures together with a company called Redburn, which is an analyst, Bianca Delal, suggesting that the market was 1.7 trillion, of which 400 billion, the, the incremental 700 billion, 400 billion came from trade budgets, which is where Amazon is focused. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't understand that Amazon is really focused on trade budgets mm-hmm. and the long tail, not the big companies. And, necessarily in their ad budgets. But if you assume it's one trillion, exclude the the trade budgets, if you like, uh, about half of that 500 billion is in old stuff, including the digital uh, interloping, (laughs) and 500 billion is in market research and public relations and whatever. You know, that that online growth of that that 200 billion market is growing by 20% per annum. Mm. The overall stuff, the the old trillion or 1.7 trillion, only growing by about 3% or 4%, Mm. 2% or 3%. So we're in the sweet spot Mm. of the industry. I mean, what we've chosen, you know, when I left WPP, I sort of looked at WPP, which is a $20 billion portfolio, and said, where's the growth? I followed the McKinsey article, actually, Mm. which was, you know, in trying to find out what... You know what? What made companies great, or what made them sustainable, or what? With the long term, you know, they looked at the FTSE 100, they look at S&P 500, and say, you know, today in comparison to 25 or 30 years ago, there are very few companies left. Why are those companies left? Mm-hmm. And McKinsey's diagnosis, unfortunately, wasn't a brilliant CEO. It wasn't, thankfully, cost cutting. Mm-hmm. It was finding where the revenue growth is. Mm-hmm. That's the principal determinant. determinant. Mm-hmm. So when I left WPP, I said, well, you know, where is the growth? And it struck me there were three areas. First is is panel data, first-party mm-hmm. data, so a Kantar world panel or a Lightspeed, which is the online mm-hmm. panel. Secondly, digital content, so a VML, an AKQA, a Wonderman, mm-hmm. an Ogilvy One, if you mm-hmm. reconstruct that. And then finally, media planning and buying, digital media planning and buying around Essence and around Zaxis. Mm-hmm. So those three areas mm-hmm. were the high-growth areas. That's you know the 20% areas. Yeah. Last year, we just announced our results uh, yesterday, On a pro forma basis, uh, the group uh, grew by 50%, 60% on the revenue line, 50% on the gross profit line, and 100% on profit line. Mm. Uh, and earnings per share were almost tripled. So, you know, it shows you that what you have to do is try and figure out the growth spots. And um, what does it tell us about the traditional agency model? I mean, if it's... Well, it, it, it tells you that the traditional... They're not, they're not zombie companies. Uh-huh. Um It tells you they have to change. Yeah. And the question is, how do you, 
you you make that change. If you look at the four big holding companies, you put Dentsu to one side, which I think is the best positioned of the six holding mm-hmm. companies because of its focus on media, mm-hmm. on digital, and on data with Merkel, etc. Havas has sort of disappeared into Vivendi. So mm-hmm. I mean, actually, technically, Vivendi is the biggest at around 30 mm-hmm. billion euros. But if you look at the top four, you have two based in the US, um, IPG and Omnicom, that seem to be doing better mm-hmm. than the two based in Europe, which is WPP and Publicis. Why? Well, I think there are two basic reasons. Firstly, the two Americans are based in the US, which mm-hmm. after all, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. is still the biggest market in the world. It's mm-hmm. 20 trillion of GDP out of 70 trillion, roughly. Mm-hmm. And the next is China at 10, 11, 12 trillion. So US is still the center, mm-hmm. the biggest market, and is also where the big multinationals are based. So you could argue that it has a disproportionate influence. Mm-hmm. You know, an hour in New York, in theory, you know, 20 trillion versus the UK, say, 3 trillion, is about seven times more productive, you know, on law of averages, mm-hmm. it'd be seven times more productive than being, you know, in a Euro- one of the European big five, mm-hmm. including Germany. So, so this focus, you know, the US is still, you know, critically important in, in people's uh, thinking. And, you know, beyond the US, um, yeah, obviously China is the, the second largest market, about 10 or 11 or 12 trillion. So having that US dominance or US position is very important from the point of view of those two mm. US companies. And the other thing is those two US companies, IPG and Omnicom, have invested in their brands. They've chosen not to consolidate the brands. Mm. WPP and Publicis, however, have consolidated their brands because they believe one firm in the end, and I think they're probably right in the end, uh, will be better. So I think the strategy is better than the American strategy. Unfortunately, when you put one and one together Mm. inside our industry, often you get one and a half or one or even less than one. Mm. And that's a problem. Mm. And so you have short-term, maybe medium-term dislocation. So, you know, WPP looks to have difficulties, Publicis looks to have difficulties, but maybe in the long run it'll come out right because being one firm, Mm. like a McKinsey, Mm. you know, one brand, um, even though I think they have digital at McKinsey. But um, it's called McKinsey Labs or something. I would would call it McKinsey Digital. I wouldn't have bothered about that. But but, um, but whatever, Mm -hmm. having a single brand is really important. And when it comes to the, the business model, are you following still the same model in the sense like percent of ad spend or percent of the billings? Or are you also considering Sorry, in what way? Um, basically, the, the, the money that the advertising agency makes, I mean, basically comes from two sources. It's, it's from percent of ad spend mm-hmm. and it's uh, the trading percentage, model. Percentage of bill, billings is, you know, and that's gone. I mean, that, it, the way that agencies are paid, mm-hmm. uh, basically, is time staff. Mm-hmm. And so it's a direct salaries, indirect overhead, and a margin for profit. And thereby hangs the problem for the traditional agency groups that we just discussed, because yeah. their structures are, t- tend to be older, yeah. tend to be more traditional, more analog than digital. And they built in costs, either at a direct salary level, mm-hmm. Uh, or an overhead level, which are disproportionate mm. to new environment. Zero-based budgeting is about starting from scratch. Yeah. And in a way, S4 Capital is a zero-based budget because we started from scratch, or mm-hmm. Media Monks has, and Mighty Have has, and so they haven't had the time to get into bad habits, mm. if I put it like that. So I would say the model is more efficient. Our mm. model is more efficient. It's not about percentage of advertising or billings or uh, whatever. It's about having a more efficient, leaner structure 
and not not overburdening it with too much uh, direct cost mm-hmm. or, in, or indeed overhead. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it's relevant that agencies in the future invest a lot more in their own proprietary tech stack and in no, I mean, data we, stack? We, 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 we are not. I mean, we're delivery. I mean, trying to figure out you know, what is the best ad tech or MarTech mm-hmm. is terrifyingly difficult. Certainly for yeah. me, I'm not an engineer, mm-hmm. software engineer or an engineer. And therefore, I would find it extremely difficult to pass a view on that. We want to be agnostic on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe at the fringes, we might have some ad tech or martech, but you know, at its heart, no. Mm-hmm. What we're using is the best ad tech, the best martech for our clients. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you look at the platforms, I mean, there's no doubt that Google, Facebook, Amazon, Tencent, Alibaba are superb platforms. Mm-hmm. And they dominate, they, they virtually account for all of that 200 billion of spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are the key platforms. And unlikely to be replaced. I mean, the only third force to Google and uh, and Facebook is Amazon. Mm. And Amazon is attacking both Google and Facebook in search. Mm-hmm. 55% of US searches already emanate from uh, Amazon in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Attacking them on, on uh, social mm-hmm. as well as Facebook and lesser extent Google. Uh, and of course, They're trying to get an increasing proportion, not just of the marketing budgets, but as I said, the sales budgets. Mm-hmm. But what would be your <coughs> view on companies like the Trade Desk that have been like, very successful over the last well, few yes, years? Well, yes, but on a much, much smaller level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried, uh, I mean, it's an interesting question. We had a WPB at stake in App Nexus, mm-hmm. Brian Kelly's App Nexus, yeah. which is now part of AT&T. Mm-hmm. Another one of our ex-people, Brian mm-hmm. Lesser, mm-hmm. purchased at Nexus, in which WPP was a shareholder. And I tried, uh, Villa Longa, the ex-CEO of Telefonica, had a big stake in the trade desk. Mm-hmm. And I tried, remember, tried, I orchestrated, or tried to orchestrate a meeting between Brian O'Kelly and the, the guy who runs trade desk with Villa Longa. Mm-hmm. It was a disastrous meeting, which was a shame, actually, because <laughs> yeah. if the two had got together, Absolutely. that would have been an interesting sort of third force, if yeah. you like. But, We'll see what happens to the trade desk, yeah. whether it can continue. It's done, they've done an incredibly good job. Yeah. But we'll see whether it can continue to. I think the market cap is like six billion, so that's, that's yeah, quite but, impressive. But, but, but it's but compared hold to. Hold on a second. Yeah. What, what, can I remind you what Google's market cap is? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So can I remind right. you what Facebook's is? Yeah, times 100 or, or 80 Amazon's, or whatever it is. I mean, yeah, 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 that's, that's right. Amazon did cross a trillion, so good so, luck, I'd say. <laughs> So uh, right now, your recommendation to young aspiring entrepreneurs would not be no, found so the next to learn company. Chinese and learn code. <laughs> uh, that's, that's it. Okay, that's probably that's probably a good recommendation. Don't get into tech unless you know really know what you're doing or you have a really rich day. So like Lex this morning in the FT, you talked about mm-hmm. you know our model being uh, you know was actually complementary and said mm-hmm. it sort of caught the wind in terms of uh, uh, what major clients like Procter and Unilever were saying. Mm-hmm. in terms of the need for the model, the, the mm-hmm. first-party data driving content and media. Mm-hmm. However, they finished by saying, well, of course, but the challenge is, you know, can, can you take margin from Google and Facebook? That misunderstands that mm-hmm. basically we don't take margin from Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. We, in a way, stimulate the use mm-hmm. of digital media, mm-hmm. whichever medium is the best for our client, whether it be Google and DoubleClick or Facebook mm-hmm. or Amazon or Alibaba or Tencent or Trade Desk or whatever it happens to be. Because mm-hmm. you know, some of our clients insist on using the Trade Desk and they won't use Google. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, you know, are Amazon mm-hmm. uh, in favor of Amazon. Some of them not in favor of Amazon yeah. and shy away from Amazon. Mm-hmm. So there are different horses for different courses. But basically, 
it, it misunderstands, you know, we, we are building close relationships. Uh, you know, they are frenemies in a sense, mm -hmm. but they're certainly friendly, friendlier frenemies, the platforms, mm -hmm. are friendlier frenemies today than they were, mm -hmm. partly because of the regulatory pressure yeah. they've been put under, particularly in the case of Google and Facebook. Mm -hmm. and, and to be fair, I think Google and Facebook have made significant efforts to try and deal mm -hmm. with this. You know, Facebook has hired, what, 30,000 people, yeah. Google... Really 10, becoming 15. a media company, which well, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the first point is a good is a good a good observation. Mm -hmm. uh, that the first thing I have to do is acknowledge that they are media companies. Mm -hmm. They are media companies. Yeah. They are responsible. You know, with the tragic events around New Zealand, yeah. we see we see you know they have to acknowledge mm -hmm. that they bear a responsibility for the content that flows through their yeah. pipes. They can't claim you know with digital engineers tightening the nuts on yeah. the digital pipes. And they have the margin to afford it to be a Well, that's also a very good yeah. observation. They are they, they you know they have the market cap and they have the the margins to mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean what is the the marginal cost of, of another search? Is yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what, how do you see companies like Adobe or, or partially well, Salesforce? The, you know, I talk about the fearsome five and then mm -hmm. we had you know, the seven sisters would be with Apple and Microsoft. And then I don't know what you call about the, the 10, but you had the three mm -hmm. software companies, Adobe, uh, you, you add uh, Oracle mm -hmm. and Salesforce. And mm -hmm. that makes the 10. I mean, maybe you add in IBM and mm -hmm. SAP, you know, to make a, a, a dozen. Um, but, you know, those are the companies that we are mm -hmm. really focused on. Mm -hmm. Those are the companies that are a part of our ecosystem that mm -hmm. we're focused on. What is, I mean, you're also, if I understand it correctly, you have a pretty uh, deep view also on what's happening in China. Um, and what's probably also an interesting question, I mean, how are, or are, like Alibaba, Tencent, etc., are they, enter, will they enter the Western markets from your point of view? Well, they, they, they will more aggressively. If you look at their strategy, I remember Jack Ma saying in Shanghai many years ago, mm -hmm. we did a session with him and he said, I'm not going to go where you, you obviously think I will go like the U.S., Mm -hmm. or the highly competitive markets. I'll try and pick off the markets, it's him speaking, the trick, pick off the markets that are not, you know, you know I don't know, Russia, Turkey, whatever yeah. it happens to be, yeah. but markets that are not obvious, you know, mm -hmm. Egypt, whatever, mm -hmm. North Africa. You know, pick up markets that are easier for them to mm -hmm. penetrate and then go from there. So I don't, you know, basically Tencent and Alibaba dominate China. Um, you know, there are contenders. You know, I was looking at ByteDance and... TikTok and everything in relation to messaging and, and, and see it there. But, but they're not, you know, it's rather like, you know, the big three in the West. The, the, the Chinese government, I think, I don't know, I think it's just as concerned about the domination of Alibaba and Tencent uh, as regulators in the West are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're worried about the control, the fame they have. I mean, there is a question raised often as to whether Jack Ma retired or was pushed in some way mm -hmm. uh, because you know his his persona and and, and uh, popularity in china was so so strong mm -hmm. so there has been debate about that but you know i don't know what the answer to that question is but it does strike me that the chinese government worries in the same way about the control of data that mm -hmm. these these, these that is surprising i think not really public perception so well, that, it may, yeah. may not be but i think that's my sense yeah and um You know, maybe they're worried in a different way to the, to Western governments, but Western governments now are really, on, you know, Philip Hammond over the weekend on Andrew R's program talked about uh, the the dominance of the, uh, the the platforms and how there had to be some regulation. I think he was talking in the context of, of the awful events in uh, in New Zealand, mm. uh, but you know, clearly there has to be changes. And Mark Zuckerberg and, and Google, Pindar, Sundar, and uh, 
others acknowledge the need to, to have some sort of regulatory uh, in, in intervention. So whether it's Vestiga at the EU or the FTC or whoever it is who does it, I mean, I think local governments or sort of uh, national governments will increasingly look at regulation. Now, it, you have to have some sort of supranational policy because yeah. otherwise it's like squeezing a balloon. Mm-hmm. You know, you're squeezing it in one part and then it expands elsewhere. Yeah. And it's obviously linked to taxation policy. Yeah. You know, it's like the digital tax that some people think they yeah, can well, the impose locally. Yeah, yeah the platforms yeah. get criticised because they're not paying, paying enough tax. Well, yeah, that's fine mm-hmm. to criticise them, but I think... You know what you have to do is to provide that on a multinational basis because you know they'll just go to another jurisdiction. <laughs> the other thing that's really interesting in the context of Brexit is that post Brexit, I mean, the UK, I think, post Brexit has to alter its trade pattern. You know, from away from uh, the EU to the BRICS and Next Eleven, so Brazil, Russia, India, China, <laughs> Next Eleven, Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, Philippines, you know, Colombia, Mexico, Argentina, whatever it happens <laughs> to be. Uh, Africa, Middle East. To do that, you know, we're going to have to offer a lot of attractive um, uh, opportunities. Mm. That could be around tax. Mm. It could be uh, uh, around light regulation. Mm. So, you know, maybe what we should do is uh, prove to Google, Facebook, Amazon this is a good home for them uh, rather than a a bad home for them. Very interesting uh, kind of approach. That's probably well, it's a Singaporean type of approach, yeah. which, which I would favour, but yeah. uh, people say I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but Singapore obviously works, yeah? I mean, yes, I mean, you know, I mean, but, but that's, it's controversial in some senses, yeah. as you well know. But, you Absolutely. know, actually the parallel is really interesting mm-hmm. because when Singapore you know, took its independence from Malaysia, uh, Lee Kuan Yew, you know, people said it can't work. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't work. I mean, if you look at the newsreels mm-hmm. from that time, mm-hmm. I remember it was the anniversary, I think the 50th anniversary or 60th anniversary, and looking at the black and white newsreels, I mean, there were people who were saying, the naysayers were saying, it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, look what, look what has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Some people criticise the the way it was done. I, I don't. I think it's uh, a very good example. It, you know, in comparison to the UK, it's a much smaller example. We're mm-hmm. only talking about you know, 5 million people versus 60 plus. So mm-hmm. It is a very different mm-hmm. scale, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we can't attempt the same. Okay. Let's probably finish this off looking at one other company, yeah. Microsoft, yeah. Uh, from a different it's angle. Done, done extremely well. Ep- absolutely. Sachin and Bella has done brilliant. Quite, quite surprising probably also to people like 10 years ago who probably would have thought. Well, I, I do. Uh, can yeah. I ask well, one, one yeah. angle that I, that I find interesting? Do you think that Microsoft could play, I mean, apart from the Azure activity, could play a role in B2B media, like or B2B oh, advertising? Yeah, absolutely. Is LinkedIn going to be like the Facebook well, we'll for see. We'll see. I, mean, I, I went and saw some of the LinkedIn people recently, and they seem mm-hmm. to be very happy with the way the Microsoft deal has gone. Mm-hmm. But I think Microsoft is very interesting, because when people talk about the regulation of, uh, you know, the let's say the uh, Fearsome Five, mm-hmm. Uh, the the the, pe- the people who benefit would, would be an Adobe, a Salesforce, and uh, and an Oracle, but it would also be uh, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's ironic, given mm-hmm. given, given the history. But Microsoft is, uh, if it's not the most, I think it's, uh, currently it's the most valuable p- company on the planet, maybe mm-hmm. number two. 
And Satya Nadella has done a, a brilliant job, really, um, turning it from being a very vertical company <laughs> to a horizontal company in the sense that the people inside Microsoft are working, I think, extremely well together, where maybe in previous regimes it was much more competitive internally. But no, I think they can. They, can, they mm. certainly can do what you're suggesting. Mm. Uh, and they are a force to watch, I mean, mm. both uh, in terms of their capabilities and their scale. Cool. So thanks a lot for Thank your you views. Thank you very much. Um, it. it. was very interesting 35 I, I, minutes. The listen, I hope the listeners find it interesting too. Yeah, but let, let's see. We'll get some feedback and pass <laughs> it on to you. The good and the bad. Yeah, okay, yeah? fine. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Pause.